that are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good trash genre cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film is a Patreon pick from our Patreon, Keith and Lane Smith. Smith? Smith. Smith. Like, man, I, I know Keith. Smithy. Alan Smithy. I don't, we don't usually address each other formally, Mr. Smith, Mr. Sells, so I don't actually know. Thank you, Mr. Smith. I was looking for, yeah, I was looking for an Agent Smith joke, and I was just like, it's going to feel, like, too broke, so. Okay, well. Th- that was where my brain was broke. at, guys. I let you. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But from now on, I will address Mr. Smith only formally. As Mr. Smith. As Mr. Smith. And that really covers you against like a wide swath of Americans anyway. So. Yeah, I'll get everybody nailed that way. That's so it works. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, thanks for the money, Keithan. Uh, we've owed you a Patreon pick for a while. Yeah. Um, and we said, Sorry. Hey, we, we had a feeling you were probably going to do an anime because it's, it's who you are. It's kind of what you do. And we said, hey, just, uh, you know, just try to make sure it's easy to find. You had one fucking job, Keithan. You had one job. Keithan <laughs> is the crunchiest of the crunchy rolls. You sweet baby boy. We asked you to find it. It's probably streaming on Crunchyroll. I'm yeah. sure it is. I'm sure I you wanted us so. to get I a subscription. I, I didn't see it on there. Damn, Keithan, how are you gonna how are you gonna do us like that? But anyway, we found it and uh, we watched Thanks it. Thanks to our uh, local public library. Thank you, Oklahoma Public Library I, We, we uh, haven't told the listener what we watched because I wanted you to do it. Oh, yeah. That's well, your job. We, no, he well, said it earlier, didn't he? Oh, did he? Did I say Princess Mononoke? I thought you did. I tune out during a lot of what he uh, says. Yeah. Princess Mononoke. What's it about, Dustin? Princess Mononoke is about a princess from Mononoke, which is a is uh, karaoke a... bar in which you sing karaoke by yourself. It's Mononoke. There we go. Is it a documentary? What are we? What are we? No, no, that's it all. Is, it's an. It is an anime. It's an anime <laughs> by Vera Agnes. <laughs> Ag- Agnes Bart. Yeah, sure. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's a loose sequel to Only God Forgives. And <laughs> oh my God! There we go. Look, I look forward every week. I look forward to Dustin's fake summaries of what these movies are about, and I just I had to give you a chance to do it. I knew you'd get there. I knew you'd get there. So uh, anyway, we're gonna be taking a look at this film. If you've never, oh wait, we got to introduce ourselves first. I don't and even, what the show is? Yeah. What, okay, so we don't do the movies that are in a, a film studies class, but sometimes we have listener picks like this one, which might find their way into a film studies course, and then we do analysis. But we got to identify the disembodied voices speaking to your brain, so you know what we're saying. So who are you? My name is Dalton Stewart, and are you selling soup or donkey piss? Uh, both. Uh, moving right on. Who are it's you, a sir? <laughs> I am Arthur Gordon, and I've been uh, infected by a standard tree demon, or STD, if you will. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, just your standard, standard tree demon. <laughs> oh, man. And, guys, I have news for you, just in case you didn't know. Um, fear and anger only make it grow faster. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> that is a fact. Um, wow. <laughs> We're talking about demon pigs. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, not, well, that's what I was talking that's, about. Yeah, that's where I was going. Sometimes, yeah. yep. sometimes we call it a demon. Talking pig. about Keith, Keith David. <laughs> I was just talking about Keith David. Oh hey, my! We all have our name for it. So, so yeah, oh, go ahead. You do it. <laughs> In case you've never tuned into the Good Trash Owner Cast before, uh, just to let you know, this is not a review show. It is an analysis show, and that does mean that we will be spoiling some of the details of the plot of the film. But that comes on later in the show. What the, the way the show opens up. In case you are just getting a taste of what we're about and want to remain spoiler-free, we'll have a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. That is Arthur Gordon. And then we'll have our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which will be spoiler-free. Then we will play a game which might or might not involve the mildest of spoilers of this film and maybe some other films that are in its orbit. But once we get down to business and bring that analysis, all spoiler bets are off. That is your warning, dear listener. If so You cannot bet on any cars with a spoiler in that round. No, no, no spoilers at all they're off that and they're kind of useless so dumb yeah anyway so arthur gordon voice the cinema let's go ahead and hear that synopsis please on a journey to find the cure for a tataragami's curse ashitaka finds himself in the middle of a war between the forest gods and tatara a mining colony in this quest he also meets zan the mononoke him 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 Haim. i don't know you're right sure thank you Thanks for writing that, Shadow Dancer 21B for IMDb. 
So, and he also meets Son. Yeah, that Shadow is Dancer line. clearly watched uh, the subtitled version and not the dubbed version. Yes, probably. Yes, it, 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 there's a, just an add-on sentence that says, oh, and in this quest, he meets Son, the Mononoke Haim. Hmm. I don't know what that word is. Haim, Haim, H-I-M-E. I bet it means princess. I assume, yes, but I don't like it. Come on, Shadow Dancer. This is not imdb.jp. Uh, it's .com. Get, get your shit together. Is that the, the suffix for uh, Japan websites? I believe so. I would assume. I would assume so, too. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the movie. It's a, it's a Miyazaki film from Studio Ghibli. And we've done maybe one. I know we did The Wind Rises. Uh, the Fire Rises. Uh, we did... Uh, you did Nausicaa. Nausicaa, which is not a Studio Ghibli movie, but it's a Miyazaki movie. So yeah, we, did, we dip our toes into anime occasionally, usually when Keith asks us to. And I don't think any one of us is like... None of us hate anime. I like to pretend I do sometimes. Um, you do. I do. I Okay, I, it wasn't pretending uh, at one point. Uh, it's grown on me a little bit, but none of us really know a lot about it. And Correct. that's that's what Ke- Keithan's good for that. Keithan helps us broaden our horizons a little bit. So thanks for that, buddy. Uh, we're going to talk about this damn movie. Yeah, so here we go. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews of Princess Mononoke. Arthur Gordon, go. <gasps> Yeah, uh, you know what I like it. I, uh, it's uh, it was uh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous to look at. Was this your first Miyazaki? Nah, I've seen I've seen two. I've seen Ponyo, and I have seen The Wind Rises. Okay. I was not on that episode, but I saw it in theaters with uh, Dustin and I believe Caleb or somebody was there, and maybe one of my children. Yeah, I think one of your children was there as well. So uh, uh, I have some experience with the Miyazaki. I have very minimal experience with anime overall. I've seen like five to six total. Um, so it's very 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 underread area of film for me. Um, so I'm not super familiar with it. But uh, for this, you know. It's very good. It, it it does the thing that a lot of anime that I've seen has done. It's very kind of slow and prodding, uh, which takes me a while to get into. Um, but uh, I, I think there's a lot of beautiful world building here. I think there's a lot of interesting dynamic characters here. Uh, and it does this thing. And, and uh, you know, American uh, animation is so simple. I think we'll probably get into this later. And this is a very complex narrative, which is appreciable. And I, re- I really feel like the, uh, the anime style is more of a mode of filmmaking rather than I think American animation has become almost a genre. Uh, in a lot of ways, whereas I think the the, the Japanese still do treat it, and, and I think most of the rest of the world uh, treat it more of a mode of, of storytelling rather than just a genre, uh, which is, you know, I think very interesting way to approach film in general. And so I, I think it does a lot of really good stuff. I think it's really solid. Some beautiful animation, like I said, some really interesting uh, interwoven narrative type stuff going on. Uh, I like it. I, I I think it really works. We I, I don't know about Dustin, but I know Dalton and I watched the uh, the dubbed version. Um, I also watched the dub, which was kind of hit and miss. I think some of the voices were good. I didn't love some of the voices. I didn't love Billy Bob and uh, parts. I think it just kind of felt like he was reading uh, a script. Uh, there are moments though where he is pretty good. Uh, overall, though, I liked it. I, I I would continue to give Studio Ghibli and and Miyazaki and probably some other anime a shot after this. So. Uh, it didn't, you know, turn me off, but it didn't really light my fires as well. Fair enough. Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you think, Mr. Dalton Stewart? Love me a gory family film. Uh, holy shit, there are so many decapitations in this family film. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, there's a lot. And, and this does ostensibly feel like a children's film, or, or a family film at least, a film that you would watch with a family. Yeah. Um, it, it isn't too, but again, it is really violent in ways that are surprising. And I, I think the, you know, I, I think Disney now owns most of the distribution rights to the Ghibli stuff, but initially it was Miramax, I believe, was mm-hmm. distributing Sounds in the States. Right, yeah. Uh, and so I think that Disney name all automatically puts you in a headspace that this is a certain type of entertainment, and this certainly works against that. And, of course, that occurred when Disney bought Miramax. Yeah. Yeah, but they're regretting that now. Uh, anyway, uh, so it, it is interesting and kind of shocking at first, but the the violence is never done in a way that uh makes it feel like it's for adults it's it's weird despite you know dismemberment happening four or five times throughout the film it never feels too graphic it never feels like it's not for kids it it simultaneously is graphic but is done so in a way that's not too jarring for children and just shows hey don't forget violence is bad like somebody gets hurt they really get hurt they don't get play hurt um so i think that's a, a nice touch for a film and it it feels decidedly Japanese from what of Japanese cinema I've consumed, what of Japanese entertainment I've consumed. They do have an understanding of violence. It seems like in their storytelling that I feel like, um, Americans, uh, storytellers could glean from a little bit. Uh, now again, they're, they're no, uh, slodges when it comes to a good, uh, just bloodbath like we are. I mean, they, they love it too, but I think they're better at injecting thoughtful violence for all age groups and for all, um, types of stories, which I think is really interesting in terms of, what it's tackling, I'm not going to pretend to uh, have any grasp of Japanese mythology. 
But the mythology the film presents is very interesting. I don't know how much of it Miyazaki created for this world, how much of it's adapted from actual Japanese folk tales and mythology, but it's really fascinating, this idea of the, the sport, sport, spirits of the forest, these... Also, these spork spirits. Spork spirits. Uh, pork spirits uh, also do get... Pit. There are pork spirits. There are pork spirits. And I, I like this, this idea that these there are these giant animals that are like the gods of boars and the gods of wolves, and it's kind of fun. It's a very interesting kind of a way to tackle a pantheon of, of deities. I, I thought it was really fun. And again, this, this sort of, you know, mythological Middle Age, uh, Japanese, Japan of the Middle Ages. There we go. Because um, it's set, and I looked it up what the historical period in Japan this film is set. It's set in like the 12 to 1400s, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a time period I really don't know a lot about. I mean, the most, you know, Japanese history I know about is like 1800 to you know, 20th century. Uh, this is really a uh, stuff I don't know anything about, and it was fun to to see Miyazaki present that in the the script that Neil Gaiman adapted for the dub. Uh, I think does a really good job of dumbing it down, uh, assuming you have not a lot of cultural lit- literacy when it comes to Japanese entertainment and uh, storytelling. So it does a good job of presenting the, these mythologies. It changes names when they're going to be way too similar, way too hard. I read a little bit about some of the things that uh, Gaiman changed from the actual script. Um, so again, I really like that screenplay. Uh, kudos to Mr. Gaiman. Is it Gaiman or Gaiman, Dustin? Gaiman. Gaiman. All right. Sorry, Neil. Uh, fucked your name a couple times. Um, I'm with Arthur. I, I like some. I like Claire Danes a lot as mm-hmm. Son. Uh, Billy Bob's great in the beginning. Uh, there's a turn for his character halfway through that I don't buy, and I think a big part of it is because of his voice acting. Uh, Mini Driver, Mini, yeah, Mini Driver as the leader of Iron Town. I really like her yeah, voice great. performance a lot. Billy Crudup, I love a lot as a the the male protagonist. Um, Ashitaka, yeah. Ashitaka, thank you, uh, Ashitaka. His performance is really good, and again, uh, Claire Danes is really good. I, I'm with Arthur. It, I've noticed this about Miyazaki movies. His films are long. They, I mean, this is right at just over two hours, mm-hmm. and there are points where you wonder, do we need all of this? Um, so I, I am with Arthur on that, that it does feel slow sometimes, but man, that first and third act, this, I think that's really what it is. The second act of this film drags on for a while, but the, the opening and the finale are both really quite spectacular. And I enjoy the film a lot. I, I'm glad we watched it. I'm excited to uh, break it open a little bit later in the show. There you go. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton Stewart. I also like this movie a lot. Um, I, I probably like it more than you guys from what I'm hearing so far. Probably. And uh, it's, it's great because it is this great sort of fantasy story that's being told in the mode, as uh, Arthur pointed out, of animation. And ordinarily, when animated stories sort of delve into the world of fantasy, they do get a bit too kidsy and a bit too cute. I'm looking at, like, say, uh, Ralph Bashke's Hobbit adaptation mm. from 1977 or Disney's The Black Call. Children, uh, from the Lloyd Alexander uh, novel, and they get just a little silly, and it just becomes sort of a tonal mess, yeah. that, that, you know, if that makes sense. And what this does is, like, this is definitely in the animated mode of storytelling, but it is fully the sort of adolescent uh, level, I think. Uh, it navigates its tone really well. And so yeah. it, it nails all the places uh, for that, I believe, in the characters. I, I do like Billy Bob Thornton's character. I do, too. Uh, um, and I do like his turn, although there are so, sort of some of the messiness that you mentioned. Dalton, yeah, I, think I like the fun. character. It's the performance that I'm not sure about sometimes. And, and I do like the way it plays with those sort of mythologies. Um, you know, and I don't know a lot about uh, Japanese mythology either. They don't use the uh, the most common arcana, though. So we don't have the fox spirits and, and some of that kind of stuff that you see a lot of Shinto uh, mythology coming into this. And so it, it seems to be the lesser cast uh, of uh, possible um, you know, supernatural beings that we can deal with. Uh, with the film, and so that that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned, because you don't have to have a ton of familiarity, and if you do have some, your brain's not being clouded by uh, other information, you know, other tellings or other versions of similar kinds of stories. Sort of like the attempts at doing Journey of the West and Monkey King stuff in Chinese cinema, where there are versions of it, and there are some that are more canonical than others, and you sort of get, you start playing this game inside your head, well, are they going to do the thing like I know, or are they going to do something else? And it doesn't really have that problem going mm-hmm. for You just sort of sit back and immerse yourself in this crazy dreamscape of a world in which uh, these things happen. And it is so beautifully, horribly, uh, terribly, and uh, sort of just uh, wonder-filled in its uh, in its uh, rendition. And that's so much fun. And so I really, really like the movie a lot. I like what it's doing thematically. We'll talk more about that in terms of analysis. But uh, it's a movie that is really, really good. And um, I, I like... 
like all its weirdness more than anything. It's, oh no, I like how weird it is. I think all of my I can't speak for Arthur, but all my yes, you definitely probably like it more than me. I, I think my gripes are more you know things like pacing yeah. uh, and yeah. dub performance. The animation's beautiful. The themes yeah. are yeah. I'm, I'm there. The score's great. Oh, the score's good. The score's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there's a real fluidity to the anime action animation that I really like too, and I, I like any time a fantasy story is still ostensibly set in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying the world was more magical than you remember. I like those kind of fantasy stories. Uh, I, yeah, I like a lot of what's going for. It's just it's a little long and it's plotted in ways that kind of let me check out at times. So that's really more what it comes down to. I really do miss pre CGI animated films too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, traditional like, animation's got something going yeah. on. Yeah, there's something I don't know about it that's just very beautiful and it's done right it's very special yeah yeah yep, i agree it's uh it's like oh it's like watching a cooking show and seeing like really beautiful like artistic uh plating yeah it's just like man there's some real love and passion yeah. in this that and again th- obviously there's a lot of love and heart and passion that goes into cgi animation but there's just something kind of mystic i understand it feels like a lost art almost i understand com- computers and polygons i don't understand how to like draw and paint like i I understand yeah shadowing and just really making an image look beautiful and and real and vivid and whole tracers yeah it's 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 incredible it's incredibly impressive there we go uh but yeah with computers you're like okay yeah you 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 did the ones and zeros right and i know that there's more to it than that but there's there's less mysticism to it i guess right Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you go, dear listener. That are, th- those rather are our uh, biases. They are generally pro towards Princess Mononoke. Mononoke. Every time I spell it, I got to stop and think about it. Yeah, it's got a lot of nos in it. And so we come now to a point where what do we come down to? I think this is usually the point in the show when Dalton just tells us about social media and how we shouldn't use it. Yeah, way to remind Dad how the show works. Good job. He's getting older; he forgets things. It's okay. Happening anymore? Yeah. Look, it's been like a month since we've done this, and like I've forgotten. Like I've completely forgot how this whole process works. It's been a long break. I really do. I mean, we try, listener, to make that as seamless for you as possible, but we we do really try to give ourselves a little bit of a break at the end of January, and it was nice. It's weird. Like I've somehow forgotten more in like the last three weeks than I did in like the six months that I was gone. (laughs) Like it's bizarre. Yeah, it's a thing. So, Dalton, can you tell us about how the conversation can be held uh, via social media? Well, first and foremost, uh, yeah, as Arthur said, I'm going to go ahead and encourage you to not use social media. Tell your friends. Uh, you know, have a conversation with people you love and people you care about. Um, that's the only way the show really grows is by you uh, telling people word of mouth. Um, if you enjoy this, if you like what we're doing, tell a friend of yours that likes film. Tell a friend of yours that likes podcasts. Tell a friend of yours that doesn't like either of those things but has a passing interest and you think might enjoy knowing a little bit more. But if you are going to use social media, that's a good way to get in touch with us. Uh, It's a good way to spread the word too, but, you know, I just want to encourage you to live your life a little bit. Uh, Social media is a fucking hellscape right now, and it really can be soul-crushing. Sometimes it can be a lot of fun, though. A place that I like to have fun on the Internet is Twitter. Uh, We are on Twitter at good underscore trash. It's a great way to get a hold of us, not just the Good Trash Honorcast, but our our network as a whole. Uh, You know, we do other content. We do written content over on uh, goodtrashmedia.com. We also help uh, publish uh, The Praise Down with Heath and Alex. It's a a show that's on our network we're really proud of. We have nothing to do with it other than helping get it out there. but we love it. We, you know, if you want to check that out, it's a, a show that does what we do. But instead of, you know, movies you don't talk about in film studies courses, they do it with Christian rock music. So that's that's just a fun thing they're doing over there. It's a much funnier show than this because uh, Heath and Alex are funnier than the three of us. But uh, oh, by a lot, yeah, uh, yeah, Dustin, you're supposed to use the microphone when you talk. I'm telling you, he's forgetting. Yeah, he he's forgot slipping. the rules. Jeez, hey, do you, Dad? Or do you want to go to the doctor? Do you need me to drive you? I need my nitro pills. <laughs> do you know where you are? <laughs> Thursday. We do have to get you back to Norman by 9. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, we have to do that. Otherwise, he will totally forget where he's at. Yes. Yeah. Um, I already I already called your kids. They know where you are. It's fine. They're not going to issue an Amber Alert. It's okay. Thank Silver you. Alert. That's Silver what it's alert called. Silver Alert for me. That's right. Anyway, so that's uh, Twitter. You can find us over there. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We don't really use that as much. Uh, Arthur and I both stay pretty engaged on Twitter with you, the listener, and both just showing you stuff that's going on online. Facebook, we don't really update that often, but we check it to make sure you don't need anything. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. If you want to submit a longer bit of feedback or just have general questions about the production of the show or, I don't know, maybe you have a podcast you'd like to have on our network. I don't know. That's maybe something we think about. Sure. You can hit us up at uh, Good Trash. Is it Good Trash Media or Good Trash Genrecast at gmail.com? Genrecast. Good Trash Genrecast at gmail.com. Uh, so that's that's a place you can hit us up for lengthy feedback on the show or just, I don't know, you want got a movie you think we should do? 
hit us up there. Maybe we'll think about it. If you want to guarantee we'll do a movie you pick, there's another way you can do that. That is over on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com forward slash GTM. We don't do ads on this show. Uh, We're not interested in using this to make money, but we do require money to keep the wheels on the bus. And if you want to help be a part of that, uh, you can go over to GTM. I've fucked up words. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's how you do it. Um, <laughs> we've got some rewards for you, like getting to pick a film. Uh, if you want to be just like Keith and Lane Smith and pick a movie that uh, is going to be way too hard for us to find and is going to cause us stress and anxiety about how we're going to watch it in time to record the show, you can uh, do that and make sure you pick something like, I don't know, Zero Effect that's not streaming anywhere. I, I would like to do Zero Effect, though, uh, with uh, Ben Stiller. You ever get to see this movie? It's no. good. We'll talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> you could do that over at Patreon. We also, uh, we're working on some other fun goodies like uh, our uh, film resolutions for 2018. Uh, we're talking about maybe doing um, uh, a bonus episode uh, on uh, the Mute, uh, which is coming from uh, Duncan Jones, uh, the director of Moon and Source Code and uh, Warcraft. He's got a movie coming out on Netflix uh, that looks real interesting. Is right up our alley, some fun sci-fi stuff. So we'll probably do that as a bonus show. Uh, so we got all kinds of fun stuff for you on Patreon. You want to help us out, we'll give you some extra stuff. Um, that's all I've got to say about social media. And uh, now we can continue the actual show. Yeah, I, let's move right along. I think, guys, it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> and we're back. With this week's game, the game everybody plays and nobody ever wins. This week's game, we are going to play uh, movies that ought to be made as anime. That's right. Movies that ought to be made as anime films. Brought to you by Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Hey, you know what? Sometimes things are better as a cartoon. Okay. There you go. That's it. Uh, you've Simplified that. that. Yeah, did good. Did, did, good job, bud. Thanks, man. Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm impressed. I well, really love it when you guys give me positive feedback. Know. It feels so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh I, didn't, I don't have brothers. It's really nice to have men that are older than me tell me I did a good job. Good job, Donald. Uh, I'm going to cry. All right. Hey, why don't you do a thing uh, well now and tell me what your first selection is for a film you'd like to see uh, as an anime version of that same film. My first selection, uh, I went back and forth on this and I decided... I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stick to my guns, and I'm gonna say I kind of would have liked to have seen what the Wachowskis did with Speed Racer if they had just made it an anime. Now, while I will concede that uh, Speed Racer, which I think all three of us will totally go to bat for, I will. I know you will, and I definitely will. Part like of its it. part of its charm is that it is a live action anime. But I wonder what if they had taken it a step farther and just gone ahead and directed an anime. We know the Wachowskis can direct animation because uh, they directed uh, some of the shorts in the Animatrix, which is an absolutely wonderful little anthology film set in the uh, Matrix universe. But I just wonder what, what would have happened. What if we had gotten uh, Matthew Fox and Christina Ricci and uh, Emile Hirsch and, uh, oh, my God. Uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Thank you. Uh, and... Uh, God, what a man! That is a stacked cast, isn't it? A little bit. I haven't even got through like the top build. Like, wow, what a great cast! What if we had got all of them as voice actors, though? That'd been kind of fun. Uh, and again, I went back and forth uh, on this, so maybe I just would have liked to have seen them follow it up with a Speed Racer TV show that they uh, show ran. That'd be fun. God, whoa, Netflix! Let them show run a Speed Racer reboot. Mm. You canceled Sense Eight. Give them something. The people demand it. Yeah, the Wachowskis are just ugh. ladies. Thanks for making great stuff that really speaks to my soul. I appreciate it. That, that's, uh, that's my first pick. First Racer. selection there. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what is your first selection for films you'd like to see remade as anime? I think one of my first picks, and, and it does have a basis in comics, but it's Sin City. I think Sin City would definitely lend itself to an animated uh, world. I think uh, the anime style would uh, kind of work with the kind of extravagant, over-the-top um, nature of Sin City and that, that style that, that's going on there, and also the kind of world-building that could be done there and, and, and adding some of those kind of stylistic effects kind of carried over from the movie itself or, or the comic books even and, and kind of playing with those those tropes and that that genre the noir and, and working that and i think that could be a fun uh, little anime as well and especially some of that voice cast could come over and, and really do some really fun work there excellent excellent i like that pick a lot for my first selection i am going to pick uh keanu reeves uh film constantine which is also based hell in yeah comics. dude hell yes and uh, i think that film made as an anime would be great i think it'd be really really interesting and it's also partly because of a uh, set of comic books that are not yet made into films that i like to see made in anime as well which is the sandman series in general in which john constantine makes a couple of appearances but um i think that vertigo universe really would be interesting for this sort of 
horror, action, science fiction, fantasy. I, that, that's, that's where anime lives. Yeah. And I'd like to see that thing happen. So that is my first set of picks. Dalton, what's your next set of picks or in, your next pick in the set of picks? Interestingly enough, mine is also a Vertigo property, Dustin, because oh, really? I really like when um, Japanese studios uh, take on American properties and turn them into animes. I would be very interested to see uh, the Vertigo book Preacher uh, done as an anime because nice. it does sit squarely in that wheelhouse, in that kind of horror pulp uh, Western pastiche. That's something that I, I feel like anime does tackle really well. And they also tackle themes of organized religion in really interesting ways. There seems to be, in, in some of the anime that I've encountered, there seems to be a real fascination with the Judeo-Christian mythology and mm-hmm. also the structure of the Catholic Church. I mean, that, that's a, a, a real fascination for anime. There's a ton of anime where there's, you know, gunslinging preachers and stuff. So it's right up their alley to have the story of Jesse Custard, the the hard-drinking, uh, fist-fighting-ass uh, preacher. Uh, so, yeah, ooh, I really like it. Uh, the more I talk about it, the more I think it would be a great idea. Because uh, I've watched the you know, first half of the first season of that show, and I like it okay. Uh, I, I like what they're going for over there. But I wonder just what, what it would have been like to see that adaptation done uh, in, the, in that mode, in anime. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, Dalton, or Dalton Arthur. Oh, wow. What is, well, I'll see y'all later. What is your number next pick? Uh, I'm going to keep this Vertigo train rolling. Do uh, so. Because I think specifically Hayao Miyazaki would make a fascinating Swamp Thing film. Hell yes. with these themes of nature oh, and humanity. Buddy. I, I think that's a money like, pick right there. Particularly like that Alan Moore run. Yeah. 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 And I think you know Swamp Thing is such an interesting character anyway. I think uh, – and Hayao Miyazaki's kind of um, – kind of passion for you know nature and the you know the real world untarnished by man uh which are a lot of the heavy themes here in in princess mononoke i think he could do some fabulous stuff with swamp thing and i think it would look gorgeous if uh, he handled it right it would definitely beat the pants off that west craven movie oh yeah which was bad yeah. was that the one with uh bardo is it adriano bardo that's in that yeah. i don't think i don't know uh it's his wife or, oh, is it? I'm, yeah, my uh, my gra- carpenter's wife. My granddad loves that movie. That's the only reason I bring it yeah. up. Yeah, and I remember him having it on uh, on VHS when I was a kid. Wow. Well, all right. Well, there you go. My number next pick, moving into Judeo Christian values, is Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. Oh boy. I'm serious though. That could I, be interesting. Yeah, because it's got all the sort of crazy dream Im- imagery. It's got uh, you know the Christ figure who is encountering the call and doesn't quite know what to do with it, and so it really delves into the humanity um, aspect of you know uh, of Christ as a character. And so I think that retelling in an animated world would be brilliant, especially in the hands of someone like Miyazaki. So uh, Martin Scorsese's Last Temptation of Christ. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, moving on to our number last pick. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what say you? Well, I'm going to stay firmly in this realm of uh, watching uh, Japanese studios uh, use that that anime mode to adapt Western stories. Uh, And what way to be more perfectly cyclical than to take a film that's a remake of a film that's a remake of a Japanese film? You know what would have been interesting? If Anton Fuqua's uh, Magnificent Seven starring Denzel Washington had been an anime... It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. That's my point. Samurai 7. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, they do. There's like a kind of like. That's a series. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not steampunk, but it's kind of like yeah, kind cyber of, western. Yeah, or mecha. Yeah. Is the thing, yeah. Isn't that the one with the rabbit, too? What? You know what I'm talking about? No. Is I that, think that, that may be different. I think there's there's like two different ones. There's there's a couple of uh, Seven Samurai um, animes. There's one that is Samurai's and there's one that's a Western. And I think there might be one that's both. But uh, Fuqua's. Um, Remake of Magnificent Seven, which I, I like. I, I, I kind of will go to bat for it. Uh, I think it's, it's got a heightened reality to it. Um, the violence is a lot more uh, stylized than uh, in uh, even the original Seven Samurai, um, the actual film, but even more so than the Magnificent Seven. It, it's kind of got a real heightened violence to it. I mean, uh, you got Brian Lee Hung as this uh, character who um, we don't really know a whole lot about, but he, he's doing some really fun like knife fighting stuff. Um, and again, I, I really just love one of the things about um, that remake is, is capturing and reminding audiences that uh, the West was a, a very diverse place, racially speaking. It was a, a meeting ground for all peoples of all walks of life who were uh, wanting something more, wanting to push that horizon. So I, I, I really like that about that remake, and I think it's doing a lot of things. And it's got you know the industrial bad guys, which is heavy uh, – uh, 
influence in a lot of anime and in westerns. And I think that's that's why uh, you know western tropes work so well in anime. I think is they have a lot of overlap and interest in their stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just uh, yeah, I'd love to see see that taken and again as dustin has pointed out it's been done but yeah i want this version damn it i like it i was actually thinking of usagi yojimbo oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. the bunny rabbit yeah yeah uh the the rabbit samurai yeah that's what i was thinking i've never read it but i've seen because he's got his little ears up and a little top knot yeah i've seen it i need a bunny samurai in my life so bad yeah it's pretty cool right it's awesome yeah all right arthur what is your number last pick for uh live action films that you'd like to see made as anime yeah going back to what you were saying earlier about living in the world of sci-fi and stuff i think you take Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop and you turn it into an anime, and I think it works yes. wonders. Holy shit! Yeah, man. I think you could do a lot of fun. You could do a series. You could do movies. You when could it's do got that like a it. ridiculous jokey tone, like yeah. it'll, it'll nail that. Yeah. I think it would just slaughter. You could do some really fun stuff with the world. You could do some stuff with the you know Ed Two Hundred Nine and RoboCop himself, and that that whole story of uh, oh Alex Murphy. And and his transition to RoboCop, and I think you could you could do a really uh, a good story there, and I, I would think it would lend itself well to animation. Excellent, I like that very much. Uh, some of the Miyazaki films that I really really like from Studio Ghibli are the much more quiet, uh, the much more sort of meditative films like Secret of Arietti and The Wind Rises. And uh, so I was thinking about what what kind of like meditative kind of uh, you know very very slow kind of stories slow cinema really kinds of stories could you tell in terms of Showa. animation yeah it, not Showa um, and what came to mind was Robert Bresson's uh, Oh Hazard Balthazar oh, uh, yeah. the story of the donkey and yeah. its life and uh, all the sort of crazy stuff that goes on you can really play up sort of the wildness and madness of some of the characters that are encounter Balthazar throughout his life and you can also really see some of his suffering and I think uh, animation. Uh, it allows that donkey to emote just a little yeah. bit more without a yeah. lot more and still do the whole thing in black and white. I think there'd be something very austere and beautiful and moving uh, about that. So, yeah. Balthazar, Balthazar fans, uh, tell me what you think about the, the anime remake possibilities. Man, that's a... Re- Wow, what an out-of-the-box take. I really like it. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our suggestions for how we might go ahead and do anime with live-action film. We'd like to hear your suggestions, and you can do that via those magical means of social media I already mentioned earlier in the show. So without any further ado, guys, though, it is time to get down to business. And we're back once again, and the business is, as always, analysis. Um, this movie's got themes and few. Yeah, huh? I should say so. There, 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 there are things happening, and I don't even know uh, it, at times just how to broach that. But what are you going to say, Arthur? Well, I, w- I want to set this up because this is something I kind of talked about with Dalton. And, and, and leading into the themes, I, f- I feel like, and I, and I think it is because anime feels more like an actual mode of storytelling. Uh, in that we're able to tell much more complex narratives. We're able to tell much more layered or nuanced stories, or we see much more layered or nuanced. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling these stories. But we're able to see these filmmakers who make much more nuanced or layered stories in, in contrast with American animation, which is usually very simplistic and very usually lends itself to comedy or romance or, you know, things like that. Well, for tackles themes, is very service level. Yeah. yeah even, even looking with, at you, Zootopia. I was going to say, even with something like Inside Out, which is a film I like quite a bit, it is about as deep as sometimes it's good to be sad. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's part of growing up. And, and, and that's about yeah. as deep as it gets. Yeah. And, and American animation really does fall in two places. You know, we've either got for the kids and, and sometimes it does service enough for the adults to enjoy it. And Pixar is really good about this, mm-hmm. I think. Um, or, or we get this stuff that's super adult, raunchy, you know, sausage party or, or family guy. Yeah. Heavy metal, things like that, that really lean to that other dynamic. But um, American animation never really tackles just, stories in, 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 in a kind of all-encompassing setting where I think anime really does. You know, I think if you watch The Wind Rises, that could very easily be a live-action war movie. Sure. I mean, there's nothing really... The animation doesn't, I think, lend itself to do much more with that except for a couple of the dream sequences in there. Um, and, I, and I think there's this complexity to most other national cinemas that deal in animation that I've seen, you know. Maybe not so much Ardman. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the fun Wallace and Gromit stuff, that's kind of very simplistic, I think. And they usually lend themselves to younger audiences as well. But, you know, I, I watched uh, My Life as a Zucchini the other night, which is a French 
I think, French production, and, mm-hmm. and it's very, you know... Yeah, French animation is a sort yeah. of equally mature. Yeah, and, and even like The Secret of Kells, which is kind of, you know, Yeah, mm-hmm. Irish fun. film, yeah. Well, then you have something that's like even on that, even more heavy, uh, like something like Waltz with Bashir, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, actively for grown-ups uh, and is he- very heavy. Or even something, going back to actual anime, Grave of the Fireflies, right. yeah. which is, you know, still essentially a, a family film, but is bleak as all get-out from what I've been told. And to round it out with just one other example, the French-Iranian production, Persepolis. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, I don't know what it is, you know, why American cinema kind of got this, fell into this. It's all, it is almost a genre. I think American animation is almost a genre rather right. than a mode. And I think that, you know, anime is a stellar example of using animation as a mode of storytelling and, and being able to tell other stories that may not necessarily you know, I think there are benefits. You know, it's probably a little cheaper on a budget to be able to do some of these fantasy films or these sci-fi films as an animated film. Uh, and so I, I think there's something really interesting about just the complexity of dealing in these kind of foreign animated cinema. Absolutely, absolutely. And there is a real maturity to the way the story is being approached. And it's not just the sort of the use of language. And when we start to talk about mature sort of things in American film, it is questions of is it raunchy humor is it something that's kind of body is it something with a lot of blood but yeah but something right, sort like, of like content warning yeah. kind of thing but with right? mononoke while there is a little bit of gore and a little bodiness yeah it's more things yeah references to brothels and sex work but it's more about you know complexity and who's a good guy who's a bad guy mm-hmm. what what's right what does it mean to do the right thing? Am I supposed to defend the planet? Am I supposed to defend other people? When you find yourself between the rock and the hard place of human nature versus, you know, trying to find equilibrium with the environment you live in, that's some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. And that's a much deeper level of complexity than I think we get from something like Zootopia or the Lego movie. Well, there's... Which maybe... are both films that are trying to get at something. Right. But they're not... They're very surface level, typically. Even with uh, the Lego movie, which is kind of deeper on a metatextual level it's you know the actual like theme human emotions and themes it's playing with are pretty simple well that and i mean there's there's not clear good guys and bad guys exactly as you say. so like the folks at irontown uh um mini driver's character is doing some very very bad things but she is also motivated by doing some very very progressive good things that i like to see happen yeah she's trying to carve out a niche for these people who would otherwise be treated very poorly by the society they live in and so that's a really really good thing and so we've got the other the defenders of the forest these spirit creatures um and you go well yeah they're being wrong and they're doing these things but they're they also are at times bloodthirsty and vindictive in a way that is absolutely detrimental to them as well and so there's there's a lot more complexity as you say it, it, it's not just okay who are the black hats who are the white hats this is not a john wayne movie it's it's something that is a, a, a much much more complex uh, sort of way of dealing with things and so, I mean, and that, that is the sort of first big thematic thing. So in terms of human progress, right, there are uh, versions of the story in which human progress and human civilization only creates evil, bad, smog, you know, polluting the waters, people dying, right? Or it is this sort of utopian thing that it's upward and onward and we're all going to get better. And so, I mean... It's both and. It's both and, and I love that. And it's 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 fun to, having watched Nausicaa for the show, and Arthur, I know, I know you had, didn't get to see that, but Dustin, you know, we... We did having watched Nausicaa, it really does seem to be Miyazaki further interrogating that idea because Nausicaa seems a little bit more rooted in that idea that we as people are doomed to blow each other up and blow up the planet mm-hmm. and just hurt each other and be bad to each other. And you see Miyazaki mature over the you know I think ten years between these two films and and say okay it is more nuanced than that it is more complicated than that uh, and I think that's a really interesting place for him as a filmmaker to go, but also for uh, this story in particular to explore. Absolutely. And as we look at human civilization moving forward, yes, indeed, there have been good things that have happened. We've figured out things in agriculture where people are eating better. We uh, Education, healthcare levels, uh, worldwide literacy is better than it ever has been ever. Human life is better than it has ever been in the history of human beings. And yet. And yet. And you don't need us to tell you the end right. yet there. And it sucks in crazy ways. And this is a Japanese, uh, you know, national cinema that we're dealing with right now. And we're talking about the only country upon which nuclear bombs have been dropped. And so we, we, we kind of suck too. And it, it, it doesn't 
bat an eye at either one of those things. It looks full-faced, you know, with a full-throated endorsement and criticism of how civilization has moved forward and how it has taken uh, the, you know, created order, the universal order, the natural order, the material order, however you want to look at that, and has brought those things steps backward. And I think, uh, for me personally, uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about this story and the mode of storytelling that is, you know, anime, Japanese animation, the, specifically the stories of, that Japan is telling the world through animation, um, as Dustin mentioned, you know, being the only country to have uh, nuclear uh, terrors wrought upon them, but to also have been on the other side of that, to be uh, a civilization that has wrought terrors on other people. And again, having a culture that is that long lived, that mm-hmm. has had that much continuity uh, with very little break. I mean, yes, obviously Japan has had a very... Um, fraught history before their unification as one nation. But, I mean, even in, they've had internal strife, external strife, you know, with Korea and China and even the, the Mongolian Empire. I mean, for, again, we're talking about a, a, an island nation that's had the same ethnic groups for several thousand years as their primary populations. That's some, that's some wild history. Uh, and I think that is a nuance uh, that their culture gives their stories a nuance that is ready to interrogate those things because they have, they have been the the evil uh, conquesters they have been the the beaten upon uh, and again the they got beat up by china for a long time and then they beat up on china for a long time and again i know i'm using funny language like beat up on but some bad stuff there's some horrific war crimes on both sides of that history uh, and then you know again with the the nightmare that was the pacific front in world war Two. this is a nation that has seen a lot of conflict and a lot of war and their cultural storytelling, their myths show that. Mm-hmm. They show a, a history and a culture that that has seen the, the best and worst that humankind has to offer. And I, I think that's a big part of what helps Princess Mononoke work so well. And this is not a mystery to anybody. Uh, Miyazaki was uh, a, a little boy uh, when uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima were bombed. I believe his dad was a veteran. Am I misremembering that? I don't, I don't know those know. details. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking about him making the wind rises. About oh. um, the guy that made the design the zeros. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think that's what I was thinking of. But anyway, I mean, he, he is from a generation that saw a lot of this firsthand. Uh, and I think that's what allows Mononoke to have that complexity of who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. It's really hard to say sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, if we we're going to look at this film, you know, sort of looking at the nuance and the shades within uh, this one side of the discussion, this I would call the technological progressive side uh, within human culture, human civilization. But there's also an examination of uh, it is also dealing with human culture, but is dealing with the natural world in terms of the spiritual and spirituality. And it also provides some nuance that there is this idea that there is a, a certain beauty, there's a certain, to, for lack of a better word, magic to uh, the natural order of the world. But also in that natural order, without that lack of understanding and the sort of devotion to the spirit kind, there can be this sort of bloodthirstiness, right? And so, I mean, Mononoke, uh, San's character, is, is sort of an example there, that she is fully devoted to being one of the woodland people, right? But that doesn't actually necessarily make her better, Right. It's like this is idea. You should protect the streams. You should protect the rivers and the rocks. That there are things that we have stewardship over. It's it's a, it's a bit of creation theology. If you're going in at a Christian perspective, it's a bit of pantheism. If you're going at it from a pagan perspective, but either way, there is this idea of responsibility and stewardship with dealing with these sort of things, and that is fine. But also, if you fail to see the human components. If you fail to recognize the uh, the just the the existence um, and the uh, the value of the individual human beings outside that, then you become bloodthirsty and a bit cruel. And Mononoke San is she's not pleasant, you know. I, I would say, and so she's not fully purely heroic. And, it, and you have to sort of negotiate those kinds of things. And so there is a sense in which I think this this film uh, is a big middle way kind of movie, right? It's like, do you go, do you side with the tech people or do you side with the others? Obviously, Ashitaka is not doing either. He is uh, simply doing what's honorable, noble, true, and right in the middle of this. And he's a little bit of a Mary Sue, perhaps. But, you know, that being said, 
throughout that whole conversation and discussion, though, um, you see that if you just go one or the other, it can make you kind of a bad person, that we have to embrace culture, and we also have to sort of look backward, that we can't just look forward and say, okay, these are new things, and we're going to put all this other stuff aside, but we can't just say these are the old ways and the old ways of understanding the world and believing or, 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 or worshiping or praying or whatever it is that a person's doing. You can't just do that either. You have to both of those things at the same time. You have to find your way somewhere out in the middle, and I find that to be really fascinating. And so I, that's an observation. I don't know if you get any responses to that kind of thing or not, but those that, that moves me. You know, it made me think of uh, to to indulge uh, the delightful pretentiousness of uh, Nick Pizzolatto's writing on the first season of True Detective. It reminds me of that line that the, that he gave uh, McConaughey uh, that that uh, I'm not going to call human consciousness a tragic misstep, but the line that I actually like is reminding us when we talk about these things that nature created something uh, of itself that's also apart from itself. And it kind of ties into that. Yeah. Is you have to – we are so separate from nature that we can be aware of the precarious equilibrium that nature has. Um, the, the level of sentience that animals have, they are part of a food cycle, and I don't know. You know, We can't fully understand what their experience of being part of a natural food cycle is. We know we can't know. We know that we got to eat some of those things, and some of those things might eat us. And there, there is that, that fear that leads us to feel like we have to have dominion over the natural order that can allow us to forget that that's a natural order that we're also part of. Mm-hmm. And as you said, this is a real middle way film, and I think that's a big part of what Ashitaka represents is bringing these forest spirits, San and her, her forest compatriots, together with Irontown against larger evils. Is saying, look... We have to try and coexist with one another. The cat's out of the bag now. We can't just say Irontown doesn't get to have their way of life, but we've got to find a way to allow it to exist with some sort of equilibrium with the natural way of life and allow humankind to have an existence that is more comfortable, that it feels safe. And sometimes feeling safe means imposing human will on the natural order, which is a precarious position if you are assuming that we do have responsibility to steward the world. Because, you know, it, nothing else has thumbs. It's kind of hard to steward the land without thumbs. Right. And honestly, that's really all that we've got going for us is thumbs and higher reasoning, as far as we can tell. Uh, and I, I think you're right that there is that stewardship can lead to a, a bit of spirituality and a bit of, of serenity. Because when you are not focusing too much on the past or too much on the present, but keeping them or on the future, but keeping them both in mind, that forces you, not just as an individual, but as a society, to be a little bit more mindful and consider what's happening right now while still keeping what's coming and what happened already in uh, in view at all times. Right, and this is where Nietzsche re- re- rears his ugly head, Uh-oh. I think. Uh-oh. Uh, and the idea of the death of God. Um, because this film, I mean, one of the major sort of plot points is they're trying to kill a god. Literally kill a god. And <laughs> Again, happens. seems to come up a lot in Japanese storytelling. And the film suggests that this is not a very good idea. It, it suggests it's a fucking terrible idea. It's a real bad yeah, idea. Yeah, don't break things when you don't understand how they work. Right. But it doesn't say melting and smelting iron and producing technology is a bad thing either. Exactly. It's just this idea that you need to do those things but also remain connected to some sort of, again, what we're going to use spirit in, in the sense that, you know— uh, Hegel uses spirit, you know, the, the, the sense of the virtuous, the sense of a moral compass, the sense of we can't just say if, if God's dead, then we can just do whatever we jolly well please. That ends up an ecological disaster. If God's dead, that ends up godless countries dropping nuclear bombs on other countries. That's what ends up happening, and that's what I just called a particular country, godless. I mean, yeah, if you're willing to snuff out that many other human lives that quickly— Maybe fucking rethink your priorities a little bit. For the protection of you and yours. Maybe there was a third option. You ever considered that? (sighs) Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we only bring that up because it bears mentioning anytime we, as Americans, are going to engage with Japanese culture. It bears mentioning that we did a really bad thing to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The worst thing that any civilization can do to another civilization, that's why it's really unpopular in the civilization games when you drop a nuke. There's a reason that we talk about this like it's the worst thing you can do because it literally is the worst thing that one society can do to another. And let's be very, very clear. If we are going to nationalize the major characters in this film – the Americans are not the Irontown people. The mm. Americans are obviously not the Woodland people. The Americans are Billy Bob Thornton. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that's Billy Bob's. And that's what makes his turn not work so well because the turn of Billy Bob from this kind of fun wisdom spouting uh, schlub that turn into the antagonist of the film happens very quickly and surprisingly. And I don't know that Billy Bob sells it. And that, that kind of hurts the themes because there's a lot of interesting things happening there. And uh, in case you, I, I want to be clear, you know, don't, don't think we're some, uh, we're a bunch of nobody ever has to get hurt pacifist. I got a dog in this fight. I mean, uh, I got a granddad who would have probably been invading Japan if we had done that. Cause he was in the army at the time mm-hmm. when the bombs got dropped. My dad wasn't born yet. My, my granddad hadn't gotten home yet. There's, there's a possibility. I don't get my awesome adoptive dad if the invasion of Japan happens. So I got a dog in this fight. I want to be clear about that. But I think to just say, well, we did that. So that was the right thing to do is, is never, you can never just move forward with that little introspection. And I think that's what Billy Bob Thornton's character is supposed to represent is sometimes the ball does get dropped. Sometimes somebody does do the worst thing, like break something, like kill a God, do something, break a thing they don't understand for their own personal gain. Uh, and that's what makes that character really fascinating is he, he has no maliciousness. I mean, there's no, like, no. he's, that's what makes him an interesting antagonist. He's a monk. He's a monk with no religiousness. Yeah. Sort of like a Christian nation with no God. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, Sorry. wow. Yeah. No, you really weren't just drawing those lines out of nothing. They really are just right there. Didn't even occur to me. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm so angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus a little hot under the collar there, huh, Father? Just, uh, <laughs> and it brings us to the most important thing. So godlessness, uh, the lack of spirituality in terms of these films, isn't necessarily uh, being subscribed to any particular religious system. I want to be very, very clear that, you know, as uh, a person may be proponent of Shintoism or um, some version of paganism or some version of Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever, Buddhism, uh, I'm trying to list all the things without being offensive and by yeah. listing everything. Zoroastrianism. Yeah, the, the, the more you list, I'll, I'll leave somebody the out. The more you yeah. realize you're going to leave at least, like, even fewer people out. Just, uh, everybody is what I mean. <laughs> I mean everybody. But the, the, the real key concept here is that self-interest, blind self-interest on the individual, national, or corporate level, those kinds of things is fundamentally what I think Miyazaki would suggest as godless. And the way in which one is spiritual is by recognizing that everything and everyone is connected. That we are in this all together across those borders. That's, yeah, it's like there's that's some, Ashitaka's point. It's, some, it's like there's, almost like there's some sort of force that binds <laughs> us, that holds us together in balance. It's like midichlorians. <laughs> oh, damn it. You, 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 you went and ruined everything. <sighs> You went and ruined it. But no, yeah, that's the thing, though, is like there is this sort of energy that the, yeah. the, the whatever name you put upon it, whatever, whatever uh, you want to call it, there's something. Right. And, and one can be an advocate of a, any version of it that they wish to be. And that's fine. Even even if that's uh, an atheistic right. uh, sort of spirituality. And I, I think some and, of the, and it exists. The most deeply yeah. spiritual people, some of the most deeply spiritual people I've known had. You know, we're pretty sure there was no unifying force, but that's the unifying force sometimes is that. It's the decision to go ahead and try to work together and have that balance, even though there's no reason to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is where quantum physics comes in and how all the quarks and, and mm. leptons and exotic <laughs> mesons – exotic mesons are my favorite kind of mesons, yeah, by the way. That, that's, that's why Neil deGrasse Tyson is still kind of a religious figure in some ways right. because – it, it is trying to find uh, that spirituality in the math. And what secular science is saying is what religion has been saying for years, that we're all connected and in something we all live and move and have our being. And if we don't remain connected to that connection, sever ourselves, not only will we cause ourselves injury, we cause injury to everybody else around us and ultimately the destruction of the planet. At a certain point, science and mysticism become indistinguishable from one another. Absolutely. And that's the place to live, if you're asking me. So, well, there you go, dear listener. We've had some fun. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good place to put a yeah. pin in it. Okay. Um, we're having a good time with this film. Okay. Batman. Uh, so we're going to do the thing that we do at the end of our analysis, which is render a verdict considering and concerning one Princess Mononoke. Shall she go, not she, shall the film go in on the shelf or in the trash? And what else or instead based on that decision? I ask you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart, 
shelf or trash else or instead yeah i think you absolutely need to go ahead and put this on the shelf it, it is a great uh slice of what anime can offer you in, in terms of the storytelling it provides uh it's a great midpoint in hayao miyazaki's career um you know really at the the turn um as Studio Ghibli goes from being super popular in Japan to having a real worldwide cultural impact. Because uh, while um, this was, I believe, the first theatrically distributed distributed film, uh, the, the first film that got distributed in the West, I should say. There we go. Uh, with the theatrical release. It didn't do that well. However, it, it had a really strong home media release here in the mm-hmm. States. Uh, and I think... Residuals, guys. Residuals is where the money's at. Hell yeah, dude. And I think that, that that's part of, like, just historically, it's a good film to watch when you're trying to understand Studio Ghibli and the career of Hayao Miyazaki. Um, so yeah, I think absolutely it has a place on the shelf, not just for being entertaining, being a fun family film, uh, but also for its themes and also for its historical importance. I say, yeah, you've got to put this on the shelf. What do you do with it? Uh, really, the entire time, the uh, the the one film that singularly kept coming to mind was Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 2. Nice. Uh, which is also a film about trying to find a balance with nature and how finding that balance with nature can be very complicated because sometimes nature is going to try to kill you and you've got to kill it first if you don't want to be dead. Uh, but that's also going to make you be a bad guy. You're going to have to do a thing you're going to regret, 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 like, blow, like, oh, I don't know, blowing the head off of a forest spirit. Not a good Which is idea. literally a thing that happens in Hellboy 2. So yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about this film while, while watching um, uh, Princess Mononoke. So yeah, you gotta watch Hell, uh, Hellboy 2 because honestly, it might still to this day be my favorite Guillermo del Toro film. And, yeah, I'm still including Shape of Water. I think, it, yeah, I like Hellboy 2 that much. Um, makes me really want to watch them both back to back now. Um, to pair with it, what should you do? You know what? I'm gonna do a thing that is surprising to longtime listeners. I'm gonna recommend two other anime films you should check out. The only other two he's seen. Uh, no, I've seen a couple more. I'm gonna recommend both anime films. <laughs> is what he meant to say. Um, I'm gonna recommend uh, a film. I forget what year it's from. I'm gonna say 2007-ish, called Sword of the Stranger, uh, which is just a, a, a full tilt action movie. Uh, that uh, it's an anime film that just has some really wonderful sword fights. It's got a kind of a lone wolf and cub thing going for it in terms of what the story actually is. Uh, but uh, it, it really just, uh, watching the, the really fun, fluid animation, the fight scenes in this film made me think of that film because it's, it's a very different style of animation. Um, it's, you know, whereas Mononoke, there is a real... Um, weight. The, the way this Ghibli animates this film, I mean, it it stops looking like animated bodies sometimes whereas sort of the stranger they're much more angular they're not as soft they do feel like drawings sometimes but in a way that feels mm-hmm. like a, a deliberate stylistic choice and just has some really wonderful fight choreography which is not two words that you think about when you think about hand-drawn animation but uh, when you talk about anime fight choreography is a big part of it sometimes i think sort of the stranger's got that in spades and i also would recommend uh miyazaki's earlier film uh nausicaa in the valley of the wind which so good. yeah a really good film that you know talks directly about some of this you know uh post-atomic fear uh, and anxiety and sadness and grief that japan was going through uh in the post-war era it really is directly engaging with some of those themes we talked about a little bit uh it, actively engage with those and it does actively engage with those things that you were talking about dustin where uh it, it has uh interrogations for our, our relationship with nature so mm-hmm. those are the the three films that i would recommend you pair with uh princess mononononoke brilliant thank you very much mr dulcer see i called you brilliant more affirmation how, how, this feels so good. how good are you feeling right now man i mean dustin i feel great uh i feel like i i, I should be uh performing at halftime on the super bowl tonight and my performance is just gonna be uh, me telling everybody why they should be watching movies instead of a football game. Okay, excellent choice. That's the halftime show we need. That is the halftime show we need. Well, Arthur, so what do you say? Shelf or trash? Elf instead with Princess Mana na 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 okay. I'm going to put it on the sh- uh, 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 elf. Uh, I, I, I do it for a lot of the same reasons Dalton said. I think uh, just to understand, uh, I think it's a good example of Miyazaki's work. I, you know, if you, you, you can pick one out of his oeuvre. Uh, I think this is a standout piece, and I think it also just, as he said, it, it not only what anime can do, but just animation as a mode of filmmaking, what it can do for storytelling. And I think uh, that uh, is enough to keep it on the shelf. Uh, and I've got two different tril- uh, trilogies, two different marathons to kind of go with this, I think. Um, and the first is uh, is about characters who are caught in the middle mm. uh, of two dynamics. And, and I would say pair it with Point Break, uh, oh. The Departed. 
and uh, the Fast and the Furious. Oh. Whoa. I think that's just a fun trilogy to what pair with. What a crazy All the day. best <laughs> undercover movies. <laughs> oh, my God. I want nothing okay, more. Okay, so where where does Mononoke fall in the uh, in in, in the that set? watch? Yeah, you got to program it now. Oh, Tell me what, no. how, how I watch it. Hmm. I think how oh. I, I want to start with Point Break. Yep, that that feels like the right call. And then I want to move. I think I want to move into the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, you want to put those two right back to back because yeah. they're the same movie. Yeah, and then uh, then I want to do Princess Mononoke. Really mix it up. I, I like that colorness, the colorfulness of of Fast and the Furious and Princess Mononoke back <gasps> back yeah, to back. Good call. And then I would end on The Departed. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're I'd not going to want to want. You're going to want to go eat, eat dinner after The Departed. It's a heavy watch. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's where you round that up. Uh, and the other one I want to do with this though is is dealing with the mythology. I, I love that idea. I love mythologies. I love you know this kind of idea of gods and and man and that type of thing. And so I would also watch uh, some uh, another animated trilogy here. I would watch uh, Secret of Kells, which mm-hmm. I mentioned. I love Secret of Kells. Um, I would watch Kubo and the Two Strings. From I need to catch up with that. Yeah, uh, which is great. And, and and it really felt timely that it would fall in line with uh, Moana uh, from Disney. I think Kubo and Moana are a great pairing uh, as well. And so I think all three of those with uh, Princess Mononoke would be interesting. And I think Secret of Kells is almost the same movie as Mononoke. I mean, it really is that forest yeah. spirit girl and the young boy from the monastery, but much more dealing directly with the ideas of religion. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's a great selection there. Arthur. All right, Dustin, where do you find yourself? I find myself on the shelf with I, Princess obviously. Mononoke. I suspected so. I am I am the self on the shelf with the elf, um, Mononoke. Um, I don't know what's going on here. That was a cute little bit there of were no uh, elves alliteration. There no movie. I, I'm just uh, I'm Dr. Susan it up. Uh, what should you pair this film with? First of all, I think in, look at some Japanese film uh, right around the early 90s. Um, and Akira Kurosawa's last movie from uh, 1990, which is Akira Kurosawa's, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams, which is an anthology project in which he wrestles with these uh, some of the some, some basic sort of... Uh, Kurosawa's last film was an anthology movie? Yes, it was. I did not know this. And it's great. Also, Martin Scorsese's in it for like, I don't know, Ten minutes. Um, yeah, they he, they really admired each other he, a lot. That he makes plays sense. Vincent Van Gogh, uh, which is hilarious. That's fun. And uh, but it, it's dealing with the idea of being an artist and making art. It's also dealing with the nuclear uh, bomb and the fallout of all of that kind of stuff. It's also playing around with uh, the sort of dreamscapes of uh, fantasy worlds and mythology of Japan. And I think it just it, it's just a wonderful way of opening Monon- do the reverse of our game to open up Mononoke into live action. Uh, it's a great way to th- sort of think about that. Uh, with uh, that particular film. Uh, the other thing I want to recommend is another live-action film, and uh, it is, um, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce his first name, but it's Joe uh, calls, uh Uncle Boomy, who can recall his past lives. Yeah, he's, he's, he's man, it's a, it's a beautiful name, but it is hard to say. I'm not even a... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I thought that was gonna, might be one of your picks for a film that would work as an anime. Oh, yeah, Uncle Boomy, yeah. yeah. I really need. I we Arthur. I feel like we got to watch this movie at some point. Dust, maybe we'll watch it, it so much. Maybe we'll watch it for like an anti-trash marathon. That might feel like a good place for it. That seems like I say it every year. I, I, you you do recommended it quite a few times. Yeah, yes. I and I remember uh, when it came out that you were singing its praises while uh, a lot of other people were, and I just have never gotten around to Uncle it. Uncle Boonmi is so good. I think it'd be a really fun marathon. I, I'm not going to go through the work to do this, but I think it'd be a fun marathon for us to uh, watch the movies we've recommended the most, like. The movie I recommended the most, the movie you recommended the most, the movie you recommended the most. Yeah, I'd be curious there. to hey, find out what that is. Dear listener. That's it, some work, and I'm not going to yeah, do it. We're not going to do it. Dear listener, if you have time on your hands, uh, do that for us. We'll, uh, I don't know, we'll give you a producer credit or something. Maybe we'll get you, <laughs> I don't know if we still have any t-shirts uh, in storage. Maybe <laughs> we'll, somewhere. You know, we'll give you two picks. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll figure we'll out something nice to do for you. And, and something else, maybe. Yeah, producer credit. We'll figure out something nice to do yeah, for we'll, you. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we'll negotiate. You, you help us program that marathon, and we'll we'll find something nice to do for you. But uh, there you go, dear listener. We all liked uh, this quite a bit. We are now moving on down the road, though. We're in February. We are um, without marathon right now, which is kind of nice. So yeah, it's been like four or five, six months of marathon. So yeah, let's it's take a break. it's been a while since we just kind of shot from the hip and I, went with what felt right. And it feels like there's a. There's a really big independent movie about to release. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, and, it's a huge uh, one. Independent. We're gonna movie, ride that. We're gonna ride that hype train. Uh, I'm so excited because uh, it's 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 a good time of any to do uh, uh, the the great independent film uh, from 2016. Uh, yes, 2016. 2016. Uh, oh, no, 15. You're right. From the Indio tour, uh, Ryan Coogler, <laughs> as we watch uh, his his uh, artistic art house masterpiece. 
Creed. Creed. I mean, no. Speak ser- in all seriousness, though, no one in recent memory has had a smoother transition from indie filmmaker to blockbuster filmmaker than Ryan Coogler. It was just a, it was a step. Station, Creed, Black Panther. What an amazing like. Ryan Johnson's probably the only other one, and there was still a little because he had uh, the Bloom Brothers, the Brothers, Brothers Bloom, Bloom. There yeah, before when, he got to Looper, which is a weird kind of stepping yeah. stone film in that arc. Yeah, no, and Ryan Coogler's just like. Okay, I'll, I'll come make Creed. Yeah, and just knocks it out of the park. There's a lot of trust there on a studio, too, to Absolute, let him do that. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, well, and if you're going to have somebody leading your film, who better than Michael B. Jordan? So, yes, um, have you seen Creed, Dustin? I have not. Oh, I'm no. so excited for you it's to watch fun. this movie. It's, I like boxing. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm very excited. Arthur, what a great pick. Thank you for programming that. Uh, it was a good call on your part. So there you go, dear listener. We're going to have a conversation about Creed. We just had a conversation about Princess Mononoke. The conversations will not be quite the same between the two films. Or they may be exactly the same. I suspect Fairly. we will talk about father figures quite a bit more. And less about nuclear wars. But what I do know is this, is that movies are all about the great conversation that it brings. So you keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks again for tuning in to the Good Trash Genre Cast. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a production of Good Trash Media. For more info on all things Good Trash, head on over to GoodTrashMedia.com. Our intro music, as always, is a supercut of film clips edited by our own Arthur Gordon, set to the tunes of the Wonder Woman score by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. And our outro music this week is Heavy Metal by Sammy Hagar.